Hey, if you'll take your Bible out, open it up to Romans chapter 12, and uh, we're going to continue our series today called Live It. Now, you'll remember the first 11 chapters of Romans pretty well uh, describes for us what is the gospel. And then when we get to chapter 12, Paul begins with this statement, therefore, live it. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And so last week we discussed how God has given each of us within the church a spiritual gift, and we are to invest those gifts back into the church, back into the kingdom, in order to make much of God, in order to serve others. And so this week he continues on in the idea of what it means to live out the gospel, talking to us about love. Of all the gifts that God gives us, love is among the greatest. The other day, I was driving down the road with my two daughters. My daughters are ages seven and five. Karis is seven, McKenna is five. And so we're driving down and just having a little father-daughter time. And my five-year-old, McKenna, proclaims to me that she has found the young man that she's going to marry. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to marry this guy. I'm like, no, no, you're not. No, 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 no. She's like, yes, 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 yes. I'm like, no. And, and my, my seven-year-old is giggling back there. And, and I'm like, what's so funny, Karis? And she's like, Dad, <laughs> she loves him. Like, no, you're five and seven. It's way too early for that. But early in life, uh, children discover that we are a love and an affection-obsessed society. If you look at cartoons, many of them are built around love stories. You have Cinderella and Prince Charming. You have Beauty and the Beast. You have uh, Rapunzel with her long, flowing, blonde hair and Eugene. And and all these different cartoons uh, where these love stories take place. And and love is is probably the biggest topic in movies, in music, uh, in books, in art. Uh, Love is our national obsession. Everywhere you look, love is in the air. We are obsessed with it, and it seems like the more we obsess with it, the more we find ourselves failing at love, and the more we fail at love, the more we begin to try to redefine what love is all about. Well, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 9, the Apostle Paul makes three big statements that help us to understand, to unmask, if you will, what true love is all about. First of all, he says, love must be without hypocrisy. Then he says, detest evil. And thirdly, cling to what is good. Three statements that as we break them down, unmask for us what is true love. First of all, love must be without hypocrisy. Now, when you drill down into that word love there, you'll remember the New Testament was originally written in Greek, and so what we have is a translation into English. So in the Greek language, uh, the word translated love is the word agape. That word is a godly love. It describes a godly love, a sacrificial love, an agape love is truly caring about the best interest of others, and in fact, that agape love is attached to a desire to love in such a way that we honor God. 
So it's talking about the deepest, uh, highest kind of love that we could display. And then he says that love is to be without what? Hypocrisy. That love is to be without hypocrisy. Now that's also a very interesting word. The word hypocrisy uh, means to distort, to disguise. It has its roots in acting. Whenever an ancient actor would wear a mask over his or her face. And so to be a hypocrite was to mask your face. And so the concept here is that godly love is never to be distorted, redefined, or disguised as something else. Here's a few common distortions that we have in our culture. How about this one? If I find the right person... It will complete me. I call this Jerry Maguire love. I was incomplete until I met you, and now you just complete me. And the, the, the idea is, is that, that if we don't have love, we can't be happy, particularly romantic love. If I don't have a boyfriend, a girlfriend, if I don't have a spouse, then I'm an incomplete person, and I can't be happy. Now, here's the danger with that distortion of love. It causes us to put ridiculous expectations upon those that we're in loving relationships with. It causes us to think that my spouse is going to complete me, that my spouse is going to fill in all the gaps in my life. And whenever it doesn't happen in our marriages, sometimes we begin putting those unrealistic expectations on our children. If only we can have children, then they will complete us. And then we have a second and a third child, and we're like, you're supposed to be completing me, not driving me crazy. We're putting unrealistic expectations upon those in which we're with, in, that we love. The reality is this. People will always fail you. Completeness is only found in Jesus Christ. And as long as we're thinking other people are going to complete us, we're always going to fail at love. Here's a second distortion. It was love at first sight. I was walking down the street, and this baby with a diaper shot me with an arrow. And I just like fell. I was helpless. You can't choose who you love. I just, I just fell into love. In guy language, that love at first sight is translated, she was really good looking. Now here's the danger. The danger is, is that we will confuse love with lust. It's okay to be attracted to people. It's okay, particularly, you know, be attracted to your spouse. We, we want you to be attracted to your spouse. But, you know, all it takes is a pulse to fall in love. Anybody can fall in love. Anybody can say, you know what, I, I saw you, it was love at first sight. But it takes commitment to stay in love. Here's another distortion. And they all lived happily ever after. Here's what we're taught as kids in these fairy tales. We're taught that there is a tension. There is a problem. There is a villain and a good guy that exist until finally love wins. And when love wins, all the problems go away. And here's the danger there. We begin to think that the end result or the end purpose of love is happiness. 
And if I can be happy, then everything, everything is good. The reality is, is there will always be struggles here in this world. Even whenever you find the man of your dreams or the woman of your dreams, there's always going to be challenges and struggles, and you're going to have to keep working through those challenges as you love. All human relationships end in pain at some point. Either the person dies and goes to be with the Lord and you have to go through the grief process or the relationship splits and you go elsewhere. All human relationships involve struggle and involve challenge and at some point involve pain. Here's a fourth distortion. I don't need love. I don't need it. And the guys are real good about this. Hey, I'm a tough guy. You know, I, mean, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't need love. I'm tough. I kill little guys on a TV screen with my little Xbox. I'm tough, you know. I don't need love. All I need is Xbox One, and I'm good. Now, a lot of times we'll we'll build this wall around ourselves, and if you really go back, it's a reaction to pain. Somewhere along the line, somebody hurt you, disappointed you, you, you felt pain, and so you built this wall around your heart, and it's a defense mechanism, and you think to yourself, if I can just isolate people uh, from me, I isolate myself from people, then nobody can hurt me. And the danger is, is that as you isolate people, you miss out on some of the true joy and delight and goodness of life. The Bible teaches us that God is love. And part of the way that God designed you, part of your circuitry, is that you need to both give and receive love. Love is part of living. Love is part of being human. We need to open our hearts so that we can receive the gift of love that God has brought into our lives. Now, you've probably seen these before and after pictures uh, that they'll have where a photographer takes a picture and then they, they run it through Photoshop, and they change everything about the picture, and then they show you what the picture looks like afterwards. And you see, you know, the afterward picture often looks nothing like the before picture. I think a lot of times in America, we have Photoshopped love. We have doctored it up. We have changed it. We have tried to beautify it into something. And, and what we often see, what is often proclaimed is love as love, looks nothing like what true love really is. Love, love does not embrace hypocrisy. Now, the second statement was this. Love detests evil. Look again at verse 9. Love must be without hypocrisy, detest evil, and cling to what is good. Because love is such an important part of life. Love is important to your friendships, It's important to your family. If you're married, it's important to your marriage. It's important within our church that we have loving relationships. It's important within a community. And because of its importance, it is vital that love not be contaminated. I love to go hiking in the mountains. And about once a year, I try to get out and get into the mountains and spend a week hiking in, in the mountains. And a couple of years ago, some guys from the church and I, we, we went to the Pecos Wilderness in New Mexico. And we were somewhere between ten and 12,000 feet up in the mountains. And we camped by this beautiful creek called Jack's Creek. 
And it was a wonderful little flowing stream, and you looked at it. It looked good, uh, and you wanted to get a drink of water out there because guess what? They don't have, like, water spouts in the mountains. I know it's a crazy idea, but true. So uh, the water looked good, and you wanted to go get a drink out of that fountain, but the reality is is that it was contaminated. Before we could drink it, we had to filter it. Now, if we had gone and drank the water, it would have tasted good. It would, have, it would have been very refreshing. It would have been very pleasurable. It was fairly hot when we were up there, so it would, been, it would have been pleasurable. And everything would have seemed very normal while we were drinking the water. In fact, drinking water is part of my natural human instinct. But if I would have drank from that water, very soon it would mess me up because it was contaminated. Now, question for you. How many of you have ever been messed up by contaminated love? Look at your life and think about it. How many of us have been messed up by contaminated love? It looked like love. It felt like love. It smiled like love. But in reality, he was an intestinal parasite. The Bible tells us to detest evil, to push away from it. Don't go down that road to detest it. You drill into that word, dislike, abhor. It is the root of our word horror. Contaminated love is like a horror story. We push away from it and we avoid it at all cost. It's like me and lima beans. I like vegetables, but I don't like lima beans. I detest them. They are horror-striking within my soul. Detest that which is evil. I think of Joseph back in Genesis when he was in Potiphar's house, and Potiphar's wife started trying to engage, engage him in a contaminated love. She said, Joseph, come, come lie with me. Potiphar's not home. He'll, he'll never know. Just between us. The Bible says that Joseph pushed away from it, and she kept pursuing. And finally, one day, she was like, all right, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this to a conclusion. And so she grabs a hold of him and says, come on, let's do this. And Joseph, detesting that which was evil, left his garment with her, and he ran because he was not going to go down that path of a contaminated love. The third statement that the scriptures make for us today is that love clings to what is good. Love must be without hypocrisy. It detests evil. And thirdly, it clings to what is good. Now in Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul says these words. He says, I say then, walk by the Spirit. Now, You're probably not there yet in your Bible, so let me ask you this question. Is that a capital S or a little s with spirit? That's a capital. So it's referring to the Holy Spirit of God. And the Bible says, walk by the Holy Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Now notice what it says about the flesh. And the flesh in Bible terms is referring to your mortality, to your sin nature. It says, for the flesh desires 
what is against the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. So we use this word love to describe our deepest emotions. We use it to describe our most meaningful human relationships. And that's why it is that love is the ultimate battleground between that which is good, which we're supposed to cling to, and that which is evil, which we are supposed to detest. So imagine in your mind there is a cosmic tug-of-war taking place between good and evil. On one side is good, on the other side is evil. In between them there is this rope, and the rope has tension on it because both good and evil are, are pulling against one another. Now within your imagination, imagine sitting on the rope are your friendships, your family, your marriage, and your church. All these loving relationships that you enjoy. And there's this tension, there's struggle. And the scriptures play it out as a battle between flesh and spirit. So over here is, is team flesh. This is you and, and your sinful nature. You're still in control. You're rebelling against God. You're motivated by your selfishness. You desire your own glory, and you see the blessings that God brings into your life as merely terminating upon yourself because when God gives you a gift, you think of it as something that's just for me instead of realizing that that can be invested into love. On the other side is Team Spirit, and Team Spirit is being driven by a grace nature. It is surrendered to Christ. It is empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. It is motivated by love. It is desiring God's glory. And it sees love and it sees blessings as opportunities to grow and opportunities to give. And this giant tug of war is going on. Now around the tug of war that's going on in your life, there are thousands of people cheering and giving you opinions. There are movies that are cheering. There are books that are cheering. There is music that is cheering. There is art that is cheering. All these different people uh, sitting around the tug of war cheering you on. And ironically, most of the crowd that is watching the struggle is rooting for the wrong team. They're rooting for team flesh. Most of the crowd is rooting for the team that if they win, your marriage, your family, your friendships, all these things that you value down at the epicenter of your soul, where you love, all these things will, will be mangled, they'll be destroyed, they'll be ruined, contaminated. And the struggle continues. But... If Team Spirit wins the war, then love wins. And friendship and family and marriage and community and church are enjoyed at this, at this deep level. And there's this true delight that God calls us to. I hope you understand this, that God doesn't call us to this mechanical, mundane, vanilla way of living. God calls us to experience goodness and delight and joy. 
Here, here's why God's grace is so amazing, because it changes my default behaviors. Within Scripture, there's this, this teaching that our natural default is to do what we want to do. It's, it's to move towards flesh. And so it requires the power of God to take us off that default and move us towards those things that are spiritual. So left to my own, I don't nourish myself spiritually. I run towards darkness rather than light. Left to myself without the power of God, my spiritual diet will consist of Twinkies and, and Hershey miniatures. And for, for you ladies, black tie cheesecake from the Cheesecake Factory. Are you listening now? I thought you would be. And, and we, will, we will eat these, these things that, that destroy our, our spiritual health. When, when the flesh is in control, our love will be dripping with hypocrisy. Because when the flesh is in control, our love will be superficial, it will be masked, and our love will merely be about me and what's in it for me. When the flesh is in control... Evil wins the tug of war of love every time. But then the scriptures portray this person that is driven by the Spirit of God. And when the Spirit of God takes control, He empowers us to cling to that which is good. The Holy Spirit changes everything. The Holy Spirit changes why I love, what I love, how I act when I love, where I focus, Everything changes whenever Christ sets you free. The Holy Spirit brings a righteousness to my life that purifies my love. Now listen, this is very important. Because for a lot of us, you're like, okay, well, what was the sermon on today? Well, he preached on love. Uh, What's my takeaway going to be? Well, I'm going to try harder to love better. You're going to fail if you just simply take away that I need to try harder to be a nice person and be more loving. Because here's, here's the key to really finding the joy and delight of love, that you draw near to the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit, it's God's power that changes you from the inside out, allows you to unmask love, allows you to see the distortions for what they are, and allows you to truly enjoy the pure gift that He has given us, in the gift of love. There is a reality that we all want to win at love. We all long for that deep sense of fulfillment, that deep joy that genuine love brings. And many of us in the room, we bear deep scars because through the course of life, we've been embraced by hypocritical love. It may have been beyond your control. Somebody abused you. Maybe it was part of the family that you grew up in. Maybe you were in a relationship that was a contaminated relationship. And throughout the course of your life, you were embraced by a hypocritical love, and you bear some deep scars because of it. And some of us in the room today, we have broken dreams, we have damaged relationships, and sometimes even cynical souls. And they are witnesses to the power of hypocritical love. We could probably speak on this subject for many, many weeks. 
But the scriptures call us to embrace three truths that if you'll start embracing those truths, they can set you free. They can set you on the course to truly enjoying the love that God has for you. The first truth is embrace a love without hypocrisy. The second truth is embrace a love that detests evil. And the third truth is embrace a love that clings to what is good. You say, Lash, I, I don't even know what love is supposed to look like. What is this genuine love supposed to look like in life? Well, if you, if you want to know what true love looks like, look to the cross. Because it's at the cross that my, my broken dreams, my manipulated relationships, my cold soul collides with love whenever I see the cross. It's, it's at the cross when, when my flesh yields to his love, and that's when love begins to take off her mask and reveal to me what true love is supposed to look like. When I see the love of the cross, I realize that the horrors of my past can find forgiveness And there's joy in my today, and the delights of His goodness can find victory in my life too. Would you be so kind as to stand with me, please, as we bow our heads and we come to a time of commitment. The band's going to come, and during this time you may want to pray. Maybe there's some families that want to pray together. You want to pray with your spouse Pray by yourself. Uh, I'll be here at the front if I can pray with you about anything. That's always my, my joy to do so. Heavenly Father, we come to you thankful for your love and thankful that you are love and that you define it for us. We ask your forgiveness for those times where we've twisted it and mangled it into something that it's not. And Lord, we do pray for healing. Pray for healing in our souls, for those wounds from yesterday. Help us, Lord, to be able to open our hearts to receive the blessings that you have today. Help us, Lord, to be able to love those people that are in our lives with an unguarded joy. Pray, Lord, that we'll be loving people, that we'll approach our marriages, our family, our friendships, with a deep love that desires what's best for the other person and desires that which will honor you. Father, I pray for the goodness, for the delight, for the refreshment, for the satisfaction that can be felt deep within our soul when we're living with true love. It's in Jesus' name we pray and worship. Amen.